0: Coaches, Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed Coaching for the Coach.
1: Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm still at a distance, but here with... Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world?
0: Oh, what's new? It's you know that exciting springtime in education, right? And um mm-hmm. it's it's been an interesting spring for all of us and um you know as a coach we wear many hats. So we were actually asked to jump in and help with supporting some sites um and doing some subbing so that educators could get their second vaccine um and recover from that if needed. And so I had the amazing opportunity to jump into a few classrooms the week before spring break and I got to be a kindergarten teacher for a day and it was just so fun to reconnect with your purpose, reconnect with your educational roots, just read a beautiful read aloud to little ones who so enjoy it. And, you know, getting that love note at the end of the day just affirms why we are all here in education. So to me, that was just a really great thing. It's something that I wish all educators, whether that be the top um, anywhere within the system that everyone got a day of teaching every year to just enjoy, if not more, um, and just have fun. And then we went right into spring break, which was amazing. And um, I had the opportunity to have a first with my daughters. And we went up to Evergreen and went sledding for the very first time. So it was, yeah, it was high excitement. We actually had to go back for seconds on a second day over spring break because they loved it so
1: much. Oh, what a true Colorado spring break when you go sledding.
0: <laughs> it is. I even, I even got a hard time from my dad that they hadn't been sledding yet and they're Coloradans and, you know, got called a little bit of a flatlander since I started as a mountain Uh-oh. girl. So yeah, I got a little bit of a razzing there, but it was just really fun. And I think that break was so needed for all educators to just take a moment of pause as we talk about so often. Um, Courtney, what did you do in your moment of pause over spring break?
1: Well, after subbing, you know, I was in kindergarten and preschool as well, which was quite the trip. Um, I was really ready for a relaxing staycation at home, and I was able to take some time for myself. But unfortunately, partway through our break, um, the Boulder area suffered a major tragedy. Um, And I just wanted to acknowledge it because my heart really goes out to anyone who is affected um, by this. And it really reminded me to find the good in each day and tell the people around you how much you care about them. And reflection, we know, is such a powerful tool to engage in with both coaching and just when moving through your everyday life. Uh, Today, we have Sherry St. Clair with us. She's the founder of Reflective Learning, LLC, an educational consulting agency based in Kentucky. Her organization works with schools around the world, creating specialized training and coaching services for school administrators and educators.
0: Good morning. We are so excited to have you here this morning, Sherry. Um, Thank you for joining us on C3. Thank you for having me. I absolutely
2: love your podcast.
0: We are just so excited that you know of it and you are jumping in with us and being able to share your insights with our listeners today. Um, Along those lines, can you just tell us a little bit about your history and education and how you got into coaching?
2: Uh, sure, so just you know real quick, I've had experience as a teaching assistant teacher, high school administrator, and I worked for the State Department in Kentucky for a short time and then started doing my coaching work um on my own and and now coach internationally and nationally as well i I stepped into this work as a high school administrator, knowing that my main role was to help with instructional improvement. And at that time, as a high school administrator, most of the literature around instructional coaching is that you can't coach and be an administrator. And that was really frustrating for me because our school system could not afford a coach. So it was me or it wasn't gonna happen. And so I I started diving into the pieces of what makes coaching work and how can we provide that support for teachers because all teachers deserve a coach. All administrators deserve a coach. We need a coach. Uh, I I truly believe that. And so that's kind of how it started as an administrator, kind of frustrated that um, from what I was reading and hearing at the time, and that was many years ago, but just trying to provide that needed support for my teachers in that role and knowing how important that work was.
1: I love how rich everyone's background is that goes into coaching. You know, it's, Having the experience of being in all these different roles and then having that administrative perspective, I'm sure brings such a richness to your coaching practice.
2: I do think it's been valuable. I I think that being an administrator has been valuable to to my experience because I can see it from that side. I know there are things that administrators deal with that they can't necessarily say professionally. And I also know that from being a teacher, that there are some things that you don't want to say to your administrator but you might be dealing with. Um, I also taught in the highest tested grade at the time in elementary school. So I know the stress that comes with testing and what that feels like to a teacher. And I try never uh, to to never forget those things. But yes, I agree with you that everybody's experience coming to the table um, as a coach, that's important experience and we should honor that um, in our work.
1: Definitely. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience in coaching people in leadership positions?
2: Yes. Um, so I truly believe that there are three big pieces to coaching. I believe we must build be able to build strong relationships. And that's first and foremost. That's uh, why I truly believe in uh, doing a listening tour, which we might talk about later. I believe there's this leadership component of knowing how to grow leaders, knowing how to set up organizational structures so that that other leaders can grow within a school system. And then I think there's this content piece. You know, we need to know John Hattie. We need to know Marzano. We need to know the science behind human growth. So these three pieces together, I think, make a strong instructional coach. As far as my experience, I I started out having um, more of a role of just coaching teachers. And then that grew to coaching teachers and their administrators um, because I think there needs to be that alignment. Uh, We can't have teachers going one direction, administrators saying something different to them and expecting the teachers to feel comfortable stepping out and trying some new things. So uh, I I coached more for alignment there. And then um, that work grew into coaching um, entire systems. And so it, that works just naturally grown as we align those things. I truly believe that the more we can be focused as a system, um, the better off we are, the better we're able to serve that our teachers, if our teachers are thinking the same thing that our instructional coaches are thinking, that our administrators are thinking, that our system leaders are thinking, if we're all on the same page, the better chance we have of meeting those goals. So Um, that work kind of has naturally grown. So I coach all of those areas now. I truly believe that a coach needs to see themselves as a leader. And I think a school administrator needs to see themselves as an instructional leader as well. Both of those are leadership roles. And sometimes we don't honor that as much in a coach as we need to.
0: I love that sentiment of honoring the coach and the coach being able to help align all parts of the system. I think you bring such light for some coaches who are trying to build that up in their repertoire within their work of... I'm working with teachers now, but I want to be working with my admin or I want to be b- making more systematic changes and helping to guide that process. So the fact that you're illuminating it, it happens so naturally for you, Sherry, I'm sure is resonating with so many listeners of, yes, like those next steps, I'm going to be able to get there and follow that same path like she was able to. And just that building of leaders and development. I loved your definition of what a coach is that you need the relationships, you need the content, but you also need to have that Refinement and building leaders and developing others and that belief in them—it's just—it's so powerful. I love your positivity of having that positive presupposition within that person. And and I've noticed in some of your tweets and some of your um, your newsletters and other things that you have so many ways that you try to interject positivity in your coaching. Would you be willing to share some of your tactics? Like I've even seen your note for the door or other things. How do you keep it really positive with educators? Because like you said, sometimes it's hard to to get, win that over in the very beginning?
2: Well, for me, um, it is, I think we have to keep in mind how humans grow. And the more that you dive into, you know, we are not coaching programs. We are coaching humans. And we have to keep in mind the science behind how humans truly grow. I think um, I'm so honored to have Daniel Pink's endorsement of this work. And I, I have brought out his research about what motivates people to change. And it is autonomy, mastery and purpose are the three main ways that people change. So autonomy is having some control over your own growth. Mastery is setting your own purpose. Um, And then your purpose is seeing something bigger than yourself. And when we bring all those three pieces together, then, we know that we have something that helps people grow. You don't do that by talking about people's faults. It's not that, as a coach that you can't see their faults that I'm not saying go through the world with rose colored glasses and just talk about you know the positive things, but it is keeping that conversation positive so that you can help that individual see the next step that that you're there to serve them and walk through that, walk with them through the the hard part so that they can see that positive part. It's just how we grow. Nobody wants to be told everything negative about themselves all the time. (laughs) I I think I shared in my gym night interview, I think it was there, I shared that I've done work with various organizations and uh, one of them paid me a lot less than another one to do very similar work, but I always gravitated towards this one that had lower pay. And I, I questioned myself, why was that? And the reason was that everything that I did for them, they brought out the positive in my work. So they want, I kept wanting wanting to push myself even further to just do more for them. The other one was there was always something wrong with it. And I just felt completely deflated. And I thought that's exactly how teachers feel. When we walk into their classroom and only point out what needs to be, quote, unquote, fixed, they're not going to be motivated to move forward. And, and that's just um, I truly believe that we have to do a better job of honoring what people know and bring to the table. That's probably a longer answer than you wanted. <laughs>
0: No, it was beautiful. It's beautiful. And I love that. I love that you brought up the point of teachers don't need fixing, that we all need encouragement and positivity in order
1: to grow. Right. Absolutely. And really going back to what drives us, you know, as coaches, everyone loves positive feedback. Like there's something good happening in every classroom. Yes, there's things we can tweak, but it really helps to come from the attitude of positivity rather than we need to get in there and fix what's wrong.
2: Yes. And again, that doesn't when I say that I don't want uh, people to hear that you never address things that can help that teacher grow. But it's how you say it, and when you say it, and how much you say at certain times that can that can help them. So you have to learn how to frame those conversations to keep them positive, but also helping them to see things that that potential that maybe they don't see in themselves yet, that they don't have the comfort level to move forward um, and trying.
1: Yeah, it really comes back to immediate questions and getting them thinking and being the ones to bring everything to the forefront. We don't need to necessarily call it out for them, but we're there to ask the questions and get them thinking about how things are going. Right. You coach so many groups. What are some tips or tricks that you have for working with groups?
2: So um, in in my book, Coaching Redefined, the last section of that is all on uh, creating that learning organization in a school. Because I do truly think it's more than just um, coaching one individual person, you you have to think as a an instructional coach, as a school administrator, how you're coaching that whole school, bringing people together, but also creating leaders within that building. And so um, some of the tips that I have in there, definitely have your protocols in place, having a voice, making sure everyone has a voice um, in those groups, and an equal voice, and that those voices are celebrated. But doing things that grow that group together, I think if you've read, you said you've read the blog. So, you know, I have like an awesome applause award where people are honoring other people in groups. That's just one thing that you can find on on our website. But that's a way for people to honor other people in the group. Um, but I'm always trying to bring out That group towards each other and then growing other leaders in the group. You know, one of the mistakes that I sometimes see new coaches making is they feel great when everybody's coming to them with questions and wanting information. And they, they think because they're so busy and they're getting overwhelmed with so many requests that that's a great thing. That is not a great thing. If you're not growing your organization beyond you, you're going to stifle the growth of your school. And so you have to think about how do I grow these other leaders and help them rise up so that they can be an extension of this work. So those are just some of the tips, but there there are several in that chapter about growing the organization.
1: It's truly, you know, build that capacity, Let find the other people that can lead and you put them in those positions where they have the opportunity to shine. It doesn't always have to be the coach. I know that's something I've worked really hard on with one of my schools with leading professional development. Like they're tired of hearing from the coach. So I really worked with educators this year to leverage Who wants to lead and who can I build capacity in leading? And I then coach them through building it. But, you know, I think there's been a huge change in how the staff receives the professional development because of where it's coming from as well.
2: Absolutely. And, and doing that, they will see that you see potential in them to not only lead, but now you are sparking thoughts in others about, oh, well, maybe I could lead something, you know, that it's not all about you. Um, we talk about in classrooms, uh, we want to see students doing the thinking and the work. In coaching, we want teachers doing the thinking and the work. It doesn't need to be uh, all on our shoulders.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's really beautiful when you can see that capacity being built over time. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity to be at the same site for three years. And it's interesting that when you were speaking about being super busy and being the everyone's everything, I thought I was that coach. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm doing so good. I'm so busy. And then it's interesting over the courses of the years as they start to build leadership and be able to go to one another and be able to facilitate those things. And they're only coming to you for Certain instances, it's amazing the capacity that's being built in the administration, how they recognize that of, oh, because you're less busy, that's a good thing. So it's kind of nice when there's that reflective practice between all of the parties to be able to achieve that goal. Right. Absolutely. We know you've had such a huge impact, Sherry, and we are just such fans of your work, and we know it's hard sometimes to measure your impact as a coach, but we wanted to hear what are some of the ways that you measure your growth or you measure your impact in your work with your sites and your educators and your systems?
2: Um, Well, for one, I look at that piece. I look at how well that organization is growing together. I look at how they are listening to their stakeholders, and so that's that goes back to that idea of the, the listening tour of are they listening to their teachers, their students, their parents, their business community, and how is that being reflected in their work? Um, I'm looking at their achievement scores because I will tell you, I have yet to work in a school where coaching is done well, that achievement did not go up. And that's not like the main focus. We're not going in there and saying we're going to raise test scores. That is our number one goal because I don't think it should be. I think it is a something that happens naturally when the teaching and learning improves in the school, uh, and and when people believe in themselves enough to take more risk. So I'm looking at that those achievement scores, and I'm looking at how. The, the types of questions that people are asking me and how they are leading other people like that leadership growth. Are we setting up that organizational structure to where we have uh, more people leading? Those are all things that I'm kind of listening for in the back of my head. Um, a lot of times I'm listening to the questions they're asking me. The depths of the questions will change as well. But, you know, it's my goal as a, coming in as a consultant for that school to outgrow me, for them not to need me. That's a good place to be. And some will look at that and say, yes, but you're out of the job. Well, there's plenty of work out there. I've yet to lack for work. But when you can get to it, when you get a school system so um, secure that they don't need you anymore, that's a good thing then
0: you really feel your impact, right? You're like, ah, what a beautiful piece I can leave them with. That's amazing. I love coach yourself out Mm -hmm. of a role. I I remember one of my first days coaching, one of the principals said, if you're doing it right, you're going to coach yourself right out of this job. And so I love that sentiment from you.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Sure. So it's been a crazy year. Um, can you give us a bit of a summary of your COVID coaching year? And tell us some things that maybe you're looking forward to pulling forward into the future, maybe some positives that have come out of this.
2: Sure. Um, It has been a crazy year. I don't think anybody can um, argue with that. (laughs) I think the hardest part for me was presenting in New York last March and just knowing that The world was shutting down for a while and not having that closure, that face to face closure with all the schools that I was serving at at the end of last year that just had to be on pause. And we had to do some things virtually very quickly. And, you know, that was that flip has been um, interesting that. All the different learning, all the different platforms and them working with Internet and our Internet, not always working with us. having children at home while trying to run a business and making sure the dogs don't run through it. You know, all that crazy stuff that uh, constantly is on my mind. Those are things that um have all been crazy adjustments. But I will also tell you, there's been some great pieces come out of this. I have been able to connect virtually with people that honestly, in uh, last year, I would not have been able to do because my face to face time kept me so much on the road and flying and and that I would not have time for things like this. And I have some time like that. So I have seen my newsletter just explode this year. I have seen um, more of these interviews and doing more virtual conferences, all that stuff. I, I hope I can keep making those connections next year as we go back into more face to face. I miss the hugs of children. I miss giving them high fives. I miss hugging the necks of the administrators and coaches that I serve. Those things are really difficult. It's, um, you know, I'm doing some conferences where I'm leading face to face, but people are streaming in as well, and trying to make sure that I'm staying connected to both of those audiences. That that part is is tough, but it's all great learning. And quite frankly, it has tested us to see if we really mean what we say when we say we have the growth mindset. (laughs) And some days I do, and some days I just don't want to.
0: (laughs) And that's fair, right? Definitely. Some days we're more flexible than others, and some days the year hits us harder than others, right? (laughs) Yes. Some days i just have to go for it. Well, and it's beautiful to just hear the backside of your story of that, you know, you're you're trying to shoo the dogs out of the out of the corner, too, so that you can be doing your webinar or just making sure that your kids are set. Because I think we all um, want to be able to perform the best that we possibly can. But all of those switches sometimes mess with our efficacy. And so just making sure that we have ourselves set and ready to ready to dive into the next thing. Right. As a coach. Um And we know that there's so many of those pivots this year as an instructional coach. And and we wanted to hear, like, what has been your biggest adaptation to um, the needs of this current environment? I heard a little bit of you speaking about how you're kind of transcending time and space by not having as much face time. Um, Are there any other major adaptations that you felt like were just really huge for you?
2: I do. You know, before COVID hit, I was starting to talk about social, emotional health in my sessions, in my coaching sessions, not for students, but for teachers. Then I don't want to say that it was a luxury, but I don't think it was, it was a need, but now it is mandatory, I believe. We have to remember that part as we have teachers who have gone through some pretty traumatic experiences coming back to schools and not feeling completely safe doing so. And they're taking care of children who have had very traumatic experiences as well. So they're trying to hold it together while they're, they're trying to hold their students together and Quite frankly, I don't want us to think that we can coach in the same way that we did prior to COVID. My schools that I'm start that are starting back face to face, I'm encouraged them, encouraging them to just start meeting with their teachers and and just saying, okay, can we talk about what our goals were? Can we talk about how we might need to adapt those? Can we talk about how you're feeling? Can we talk about how you're handling the stress? Just to, to pull in that social emotional piece. We have to remember we are leading humans and they are not blank slates. And that they all handle this differently. And and if we don't allow ourselves grace and allow them grace, then we are, are going to, to not set ourselves up for success as a society. There's a lot of stress that's come from this. There's a lot of good, but there, there's a lot of stress. And we have to recognize that. Well, it's the first time in at least our
1: lifetimes that we've all had a shared trauma. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading on what it's like for, you know, large groups to go through the same trauma, whether, you know, it's on a different level of actually contracting COVID or knowing having lost someone, but we're all going through a similar experience together. And that's not a typical thing. Um, in education, you know, you have someone get illness or um, might who might pass away, but that is, you know, building by building. It's not across the board. So I think It's really important to remember we need to meet educators where they are and really check in and asking how you are is a genuine thing. Like I want the real answer when I'm asking that, not just I'm fine um, because no one's fine
2: right now. Right. And in some of our meetings, that's our opening question is just how are you? How is it going? But also to remember your students have also been through that and they've come from food insecurities and they're gone they've lost homes and they've lost loved ones and some have lost both parents or grandparents and they are just going to need an extra focus on social, emotional health.
0: 100%. I, I joke with some of my educators because we'll start with the how are you doing really? Um, and once they actually open up, we we'll t- we always talk about the three modes of coaching, right? The The coaching we want to always default to and collaborating and consulting. Um, we kind of joke about this year that we added consoling to that list that we're going to start with the consoling for a minute and and accept where we are because we're in the ick so that we can press forward and get to the actual coaching or the collaborating that we're truly wanting to do. But it's it's interesting how some sessions, they're like, can we have our five minute consult? And then we'll move forward. So um, almost like there's a new mode this year that we're honoring that. And I don't know if consoling is the correct word, but it's another C, so it kind of works, right? Um, but just honoring that their feelings first, and then the work directly after that and making sure that we get back to that human side as you keep referencing. And Sherry, we just are so lucky for your time. We're so lucky that in this time, you have time to squeeze in things like podcasts like this. And we want to know where can we learn more from and with you in the future? And what projects are coming down the pipe for you that we can share with our listeners?
2: Sure. So a few things. ReflecttoLearn.com is my website. And uh, there you can sign up for Uh, My newsletter, it goes out to about 10,000 individuals right now. I'm so thankful for that. But um, I'm really excited about that. That's a new little project for me where I'm highlighting not only my work, but also some thought leaders in the field. And so I'm I'm just so honored to have the work of others there. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Twitter and Facebook are where I'm most active. I don't think I've quite... um, Got my niche in Instagram yet, but Twitter and Facebook, you can find me on both of those, and I try to share uh, all the work that I'm doing, or most of the work that I'm doing there. I'm going to be at the uh, Simply Coaching Summit this summer, and then Jim Knight's. Co- Uh, coaching summit in the fall, of course, will be there and honored to be asked to be part of that work as well. So those are some places that you can find me right now. But definitely I'd love to connect with people and I love to hear from readers. I have readers send me you know, pictures of them using strategies from the book, and I try to place some of those in my newsletter. But I really enjoy hearing from readers. I know uh, every time I hear from one, they're like, I'm not sure if I should be reaching out. But I'm thinking that's my motivation is knowing that my work is having an impact and that I, I'm helping someone. I love that piece. So would welcome that from readers
0: going back to that know thy impact, right? One more way that you get, get that feedback that something's going right. Um, and I can testify that your newsletters are just a beautiful sign, sunshiny nugget each you know each week to be able to be getting that from you and just something to put in your coaching pocket to be just thinking of going into that week. So I would definitely recommend signing up for that. Um, and we're going to shift to the rapid fire questions um, for the end of our podcast. And All right, Sherry, will you tell us what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching?
2: Mm, probably would be strive to see the strength in others. Oh, I That's love a good that.
0: One. I love that. The positive presupposition embedded right in the bumper sticker. It's awesome. Tell us what is your secret coaching superpower or go-to move?
2: <laughs> You'll probably laugh at this one, but I always think of Finding Nemo and... Uh, is it Dory that just says, keep swimming? That is not. You just have to keep moving forward. There's going to be days when you get knocked down. There's going to be days when you need to rest. There's going to be days when you need to sit. There's going to be days when you feel like running. And, and all those are okay. Give yourself grace. Just keep moving forward. Just keep swimming. I love it. Just keep swimming. Just That's what I like say
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that is amazing. What a great mantra to have. And thank you so much for your time, Sherry. I just know that our listeners are going to have a wealth of new insights from you. And we are just so grateful to have you here and to be able to share all of your wisdom with them. So thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Truly appreciate it.
1: Sherry, was such a pleasure to have on C3. She's truly a master coach. It's all about the relationships. How might you strive to see the strength in others? C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Who's thinking will you mediate today?